Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Why don't we just ask God to open our hearts to His Word and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we so need Your Word and Your truth in our lives. We need You to steer our ships We need you just as you inhabit our praises to inhabit our beings that we could that we could have lives that matter on this earth not only in this time but also for eternity that we could hear the words well done good and faithful servant lead us on in you Jesus amen Amen. so we're beginning a new series actually a Christmas series let's see Um, I'm going to be talking through this section in Matthew, not fully because uh, next week Jim is going to talk about Joseph. I'm going to talk a little bit about the shepherds, but most about Herod. King Herod is not a savory fellow, is he? I mean, usually when you think of Christmas, you have baby Jesus, manger, all these wonderful thoughts. You don't think of the baby killer, do you? No. So King Herod will actually be a main feature in this message. And, and we begin reading about him here in Matthew 2, if you want to follow along. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. By the way, King Herod was called King of the Jews. Right? All of a sudden, where's the guy that's going to replace you? Where's the baby born to kick you off your throne? And when it says he was disturbed, he was. But all of Jerusalem was disturbed too. And you'd say, well, why would it bother Jerusalem if they got this other king? What was, what's going on here? Well, you know one of the sayings about Herod... It'd be better to be a pig in his house than his son. Because Herod killed three of his sons, murdered one of his wives and his mother-in-law. When he uh, had some wealthy noble people who were against him, noble men who were against him, he just killed them and took all their wealth. Easy way to make money. Kill your enemies, take their wealth. He installed the chief priest against the law, who was only 17 years old, and then later killed him. You know, he uh, also at his death, and by the way, this isn't the full list of his atrocities. At his death, he had ordered, because people hated him so much, a bunch of noblemen to be brought together and imprisoned. And he said, when I die, kill them, because I want the city to mourn. Yeah. Yeah. Right, you'd think that maybe you get older, you get sweeter. This guy did not. Now, thank God they didn't follow his orders. They, they, they didn't follow his orders. So Herod was not a good man. And that's why all of Jerusalem was petrified. And it says, and when he called together the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, where is Christ to be born? Right, he wants to find this, this uh, challenger. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophets had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd of my people, Israel. And Herod called the Magi secretly 
and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I may go and worship him. Like my Pinocchio shadow there. Because he's a liar, right? He's a deceiver. And after they had heard the kings, went, went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. You know, I read that. Um, first, I love Christmas. I love repeating this stuff year after year. I just, I just think it's good for us. And I was, I was going to only focus on Herod today, but I thought, wait a minute. Many of us, we are both Herod, and I'll tell you why later, and we're the shepherds. I mean, can you remember, and maybe it's happening now, God just starting to draw you in? I remember in high school, as I was starting to get interested in Christ and read my Bible, like I wanted to go hang out with some of those Christians. I wanted to talk to them about their relationship with Christ and the Bible and spiritual gifts. I mean, I think if you're a Christian, there's something inside of you, there's something inside of me that's like that wise man. Like you desire worship like you desire the things of God I remember one time at the Alive Christian Music Festival uh, they used to have like an after hour tent so it might be midnight or one or who knows so the main stage closes and then they'd have bands that would play into the night and I, I and I'm walking back from the main stage and I hear Shane and Shane singing yearn Lord I want to yearn for you I want to burn with passion and it's like my feet just had to go there like the, the worship that was going up, I just had to soak it in. My, it's like the spirit was just moving me. And I've been blessed by their music ever since that, that day. And, and that happens to us. You and I are like wise men. There's something, the spirit of God inside of us seeking, seeking the Lord. Years ago, um, Jill, who was supposed to play today, she actually, she's the one who put this worship set together. Pray for her back. Gretchen did earlier, but keep praying for her back because she had to bow out because of back trouble. But years ago, when Jill was a BW student, before she was a mommy, um, she, uh, she used to have me pick her up and I would drive her for worship practice. And what I loved about it and what I think is part of this shepherd-likeness, this spirit inside of us, she would just have all this list of questions. She's like, okay, Doug, I've been reading my Bible and just start firing questions and it was so exciting. I mean, I love talking about Jesus. One time I was at a party and I was new in the ministry. And this guy heard me having a conversation about Jesus. Now he threw the party. He goes, hey, quit talking shop with the pastor. And I'm like, no, no, it's okay. I actually like this, right? You know, it's not, it was just a funny comment. Um, I, you know, this, this is part of the spirit of God inside of us. Sometimes, do you ever read the Bible and you're going to read a paragraph or you're going to read a section? And you just read on. What's going on? Is it just that the story's not ending? Or is there something inside of you just stirring you? Right? The spirit of God. We got a new dog. Uh, a dog, a puppy, who my ankles are chewed. Um, but it, it's a little labradoodle. And I have spent a lot more time standing outside than I typically do on any given week. Saying the word Go. But you know what else? 
because sometimes it's in the middle of the night. Um, there's a beauty of creation that I didn't experience. And I go out there, and this shepherd-likeness, the spirit, the creation starts preaching, and I'm, a, I'm able to give thanks at different hours, day and night. It's just, it's, this is the spirit, this is the shepherd-likeness that is just drawn to worship God. I know you know what I'm talking about. But they didn't just come and worship, they, they came and gave him gifts. Of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And can I say one of the best gifts you can give to somebody is tell them about your relationship with Jesus. You know, be reproductive in your faith. Jim, do you remember in England years ago, Jim and I lived in uh, Cambridge. And uh, we stayed with one family and then we moved into living with another family. And it was a single mom and her two daughters. And her husband had left her. She's going through a, a separation and then a, a divorce. Needed some extra money. We needed a room to rent. And so we rented two bedrooms from her. And her kids moved into her bedroom. And, and you know, we just, we just were ourselves there. But ourselves were believers in Jesus. And she asked questions. She got to know us. I mean, we, we had dinner together every night. And, like, we got to know this family and their dog, Herbie, and their cute little little girls that were, were they three and five or five? And so either way, they were little. And um, what was cool is we left and we uh, toured around the continent for a while. And I stayed the longest because I spent Christmas in uh, Stockholm with some family friends. And then I came back uh, into London and then took a bus to Cambridge and I spent the night with Jill and her daughters. And she's starting to say things like, what do you do? People at work are saying this. People are... I'm like, wait a minute. I, I think you've, you've been born again. Like there was fruit of her life being changed and her questions coming at me were questions that believers and new believers are, are asking. And, and I was thinking, man, the gift of just being there, that the gospel just kind of gets through and hope and great. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. That's a shepherd likeness that you have in your life, this power of salvation. So the scripture goes on and says, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the, their country by another route. And when they had gone, angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Not a nice man, is he? What do you do when you think your sons are going to take your throne? You kill them. Right? What do you do when you don't like your mother-in-law? You kill her, right? I mean, that, and here's the problem. I called, I called this like confronting our inner, inner Herod. There's something in us that wants to be king. There's something in us that says, oh yeah, Jesus, you have me, but not all of me. There's something in us that wrestles with God for control and says, I will be king. Right? In your heart, in my heart, there's a little King Herod. And we want to be captain of our own fate. You want to be captain. You want to be master of your own soul. Do you see that? Because I think unless you get this, you won't get the normal Christian life. The normal Christian life is there's a tension. There's a struggle. Like there's a side of me that wants to read more scripture. And there's a side of me that doesn't want to read scripture at all. Right? 
I'll do it after I check my email, my Facebook, my Instagram, right? Make these phone calls, exercise, work out, have... You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a side of me that doesn't want his lordship. That, you know, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. There's a side of me that the heart doesn't want to prepare him room. And there's a side of you. And we need to confront that. We need to be open about that. You know, we put out this prayer pod thing. And I'm convinced that many times when we have an opportunity to go to church, when we have an opportunity to join a Bible study, when we have an opportunity to do prayer pods, there's always this inertia to get by. Oh, I don't know if I can add 15 minutes to my life to pray with some other people and get to know them. or You know, whatever the cost is in that, there's something that you got to push through. I remember uh, going to Bible studies early on and, and you would be like, oh, I don't know if I want to go, you know. Well, and then I'd go and I'd be so thankful that I went most of the time, you know. That's, that's the tension between the flesh and the spirit, right? There's a, there's a tension there that, that you got to fight through. I listened to something this week um, by an interview with Nikki Gumbel and Tim Keller. Some of you have heard of the Alpha Course. Pastor Nikki Gumbel, he started the Alpha Course in London, and he's a pastor in London. And you guys may think that I'm a Tim Keller fan, and I left the beginning of it in to know that there are other Tim Keller fans out there. Okay, um, and so I, I want to mention a little bit, but I, I heard in this interview some tension, even in Tim Keller, in the battle between the, the shepherd and Herod in his heart. I could not be more delighted that uh, Tim has agreed to be on this interview. Tim Keller, as many of you will know, is one of the leading spokespeople for the Christian faith across the world in the 21st century. He's been likened to a kind of C.S. Lewis for the 21st century. And I have a pile of his books in this library behind me. I've said, you know, I, most of these books are by Tim Keller. So the reason for God, uh, and, and these books have sold literally millions of copies. The Prodigal God, Generous Justice, The Meaning of Marriage. Every, every married person should read that one. Preaching, every preacher should read that one. King's Cross. This one, city center, the, the, uh, all about city center churches. So Tim has run a congregation in Manhattan, in the middle of New York, with a, like, an average congregation of over 5,000 people attending each week. Uh, Tim, thank you so much for, for joining us. And, and I know many people listening to this will know, because it's sort of been public and on, on your Twitter feed and so on, that you have not been well. And, and the first, first question I want to ask you is about this, because you have been through so much. I mean, Kathy, I, I should say, is married to Kathy and they have three adult children. Um, but Kathy has been, been very sick for many years. She's had Crohn's disease and many operations. You've had thyroid cancer. And now you've got this. Just say a little bit about what it is and, and how you're coping. Yes, in May I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And uh, uh, I must say that thyroid cancer is a walk in the park compared to uh, there's cancer and there's cancer and there's some that are very treatable yeah. as most people probably know yeah. thyroid cancer prostate cancer there's a number of uh, can, uh, lymphoma in many cases yeah. there's a lot of cancers that right away the doctor said this is pretty treatable and then there's other cancers that the doctor said there's virtually no cure for this and that's what my doctor told me um, uh, uh, about pancreatic cancer it's a very difficult cancer to uh, uh, to treat the uh, 
Prospects, we don't know. Uh, I, I, I mean, I do want to say to people publicly that I do know most people who get diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, 80%, they die within a year of diagnosis. After they found out I had pancreatic cancer, they went online and they came back with all these horrible statistics. And I do want to say we found the, uh, the, our pancreatic, the pancreatic cancer accidentally, though of course we would say God was very kind. We discovered it when I was in the hospital for something else. Uh, so we started treating it rather early and some of the early treatments look good, and therefore the possibility of keeping it at bay for a longer period of time is pretty good. I won't go beyond that. Uh, so it's not likely right now that I would be dying within a year, but I would have longer. Uh, all my life I've been telling people, is God's will good or not? And uh, when this happened, the very first day, you start to realize you, you say that you know that God is available experientially. And when you actually get up every day realizing you're not going to be able to get through the day unless you experience God today, unless you go to him and actually seek him in prayer, seek his presence. Uh, all of my life I've told people it's available, and occasionally I have experienced it myself too. But when you actually uh, you are really motivated to go after it, you begin to realize, oh, my goodness, he really is there, and he's real. Hmm. Communion with him is really available. Hmm. Uh, not every single day, but far more often than I would have thought. And basically, Kathy and I, Kathy and my greatest fear, and this is not, uh, I'm not just saying this. Our greatest fear is that if I get a really good diagnosis, a really good uh, response to the cancer, and I really do well, and I really am able to you know, live for a number more years, we never want to go back spiritually where we were before the cancer diagnosis. We never want to go back to that. Because in spite of all the things I've already preached, and I, not, I wasn't a hypocrite exactly, but the reality is most of us say we need to depend on God, but we actually think we've got it sorted. We feel like we've got everything under control because we've thought this out and we've got savings and we've got these people and we've got this, and that we're basically under control. I, we know technically that we're mortal. We know technically that God is in charge of everything, but we actually experientially don't believe it until life gets beyond your ability to control it. And when that happens and you turn to God, you say, oh my goodness, he really is there. He is enough. I'm actually happier than I've ever been on a oh. given day. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy the things around me in a way I've never enjoyed them before. I see them as gifts of God. And I enjoy my prayer life more than I ever have in my life. And we just don't want to go back to that. Do you hear the, the tension there? And, and I look at that and I watch that and I say, well, why don't I seek him like that all the time? Why don't I? Do, do, do you see that in you? You know why? That's that flesh and that spirit, isn't it? That, like he's available. Do you hear him talk about joy? Do you hear him say, well, I got everything kind of sorted out. You know, every day, you know, I... Get my quiet time check, but do we seek him? And I think that's that's part of the Herod inside of us. That's part of the flesh that, that moves us away. So what do we do? Well, I think in this passage, I see three things that um, are helpful for me to have in kind of my daily Christian diet. And I believe it, it aligns up with the New Testament. And the first is think long term. The second is walk by the Spirit. And the third is deeply appreciate the grace of Jesus. Think long term. What does that mean? Why do we know anything about King Herod? 
the one who killed the babies, the one who, who hated the one born king of the Jews, only because he's connected to Jesus. I mean, what if you would have whispered in his ear back in the day, by the way, the only reason they're going to ever know anything about you is this baby you're trying to kill right now. You're like, what? You know. And it's, it's good for us as believers, when we're faced with this tension between the flesh and the spirit, or between being like the wise men or being like King Herod, to, to ask ourselves, what's the outcome of this behavior? In Corinthians that we had gone through and have been going through, Paul writes, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. What is that? That's long-term thinking, isn't it? This activity, this action, this bit of greed, this bit of, of over-desire for something, this, this kind of talking, this kind of bitterness, unfree, like this doesn't, when I t- extrapolate this path out, it's not a good path. C.S. Lewis said, there's something within me that would be hell if not nipped in the bud. Think long term. All things are possible. Then he goes, all things are lawful, but I won't be mastered by anything except Jesus. Think, think long term. Where is the outcome of this? And it's interesting how many times the outcome of following Jesus, and you heard Tim talk about, is joy. There's, a, there's like this deep settled fruit of that spirit side is joy. The scripture goes on and says, uh, now, when they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there. Look at this. Till I tell you. It's like, I wonder when the angel's coming back. Right? Till I tell you. Uh, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And he arose, and he took the child and his mother by night, and he departed for Egypt. And, and was there until the death of Herod. That was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. It be fulfilled saying, go out, out of Egypt, I called my son. So why do I say walk by the Spirit? Because you've got an angel coming and speaking. And we have this wonderful counselor who's with us, whispering in our ears. And, and can I say that one of the things that makes me attractive to God and to the Holy Spirit is when I get in touch with my dependence. What did Tim Keller say? When I know I can't get through the day without experiencing him, I go to him. The Lord taught us to pray, lead us out of temptation, deliver us from evil. Like when I tap into God, I might not have any plans today to go my own way, but I know I will. And I know without you, I'm lost. Lord, there's bear traps in the woods and I'm going to put my foot in it unless you lead me out of it. Lord, I'm a sheep, and I'll see a wolf and go, hey, wonder if that thing wants to be my friend, right? Like, like I don't trust myself. Last week, if you read through the section of Corinthians, he says, watch out. When you think you're standing firm, least you fall. It, begin your day by saying, Lord, I am utterly and thoroughly dependent on you. I need your spirit to guide me. I need to be led and delivered today. And, Claim that weakness. There's a strength in that. And then also, how is your internal conversation with God? I've told this before. Uh, years ago, when I was in Europe and not with Jim, I went to this Christian community in France. 
And they ask everybody to not talk for three days. If you know me, you know that was almost a miracle in and of itself. And we had to be contemplative, thinking on the death of Christ and then the resurrection. And you know what happened? My internal conversation with Jesus went up. How, do you have a, an internal conversation with God? Philippians, I'm sorry, Thessalonians says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. You know what that is? That's an internal conversation. You got this thing going, right? And I know what some of you are asking right now. Pastor Doug, is there an app for that? Right? Is there, is there an app that can help with that? No! I believe your apps actually, my apps, my phone distracts me from the internal conversation. Because before when I was bored, I would talk to Jesus. Now I can look at my phone. Right? And, and, and how is your internal conversation, do you give thanks to him? Right? Do you pray to him? How do you pray without ceasing? He's with you. He's that friend that's closer than a brother. Walk with him. Talk with him. Let, be, be a friend of the Lord. And then be deeply appreciative of the grace of Jesus. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem. And in all its environs, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. Not a nice guy. I'll get him. I'll kill all the babies. Now, historians, some will say, well, there, this isn't really, like, mentioned. Well, it's along with his character, isn't it? Like, you don't have it mentioned by Josephus and some of the other historians. But Herod's character was this way. Also, Bethlehem was not a very large city. Maximum, probably 70, what they say, could be as few as 20 babies. One is, is you know, bad. But when you read this, does it ring a bell? Somebody killing babies? It did for me. Who was the baby killer years and years and years ago? Pharaoh. He's like, these, uh, these uh, Israelite children, these Jewish babies, they're, they're, they're just growing more than us. We need to just drown them in the Nile. Dump all babies in the Nile. Midwives, kill the babies. And you know the story of Moses. And what was kind of fascinating is... This, this man, in a sense, is taking judgment out on Israel. And then, what was the last plague? Do you remember what the last plague was in the deliverance? It was killing the firstborn. Unless they had the blood of the lamb over the doorposts. It's like this picture, right? Baby killing, and then this judgment with, with a way of escape. And at the beginning of Jesus' life, we get another baby killing picture. And then at the end of his life, we have the true Passover lamb. Jesus says, take and eat, this is my body at Passover. This is my blood. Jesus becomes the true Passover lamb. Can I say that the more you appreciate, the more I appreciate the gospel, the stronger you are. The stronger you are to face guilt and shame, the stronger you are with appreciation I, I saw, I listened to a podcast and the guy said, people who are thankful have more self-control than people who aren't thankful. What? There's something about appreciating the work of God that just helps shape us into his image. Not only that, you know where else I saw the gospel? Look at this, it says, and, and that which was spoken through the prophet Jeremiah 
was fulfilled, saying a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. So Rachel is like the mother of Benjamin and Joseph. And this was, was spoke, I believe, by the prophet Jeremiah when uh, they were being led into captivity. And, and, but he kind of made Rachel like the mother of all. Do you remember Ra- how Rachel died? Anybody remember how Rachel died? Giving birth to her son, Benjamin. And Jesus died to give birth to you and to me. He died in childbirth. He died birthing this believers whom he loves. And the more I tap into this, the more, the more it, it, it fills me. Somebody offends me, and I'm like, what's that compared to Jesus dying for me, right? Like, you have the salve that heals the world. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your gift of life and grace. And, and for all who are listening, fill us with your spirit, Lord. Help us to walk in your ways. May we be quick to repent. And Lord, we're a bunch of sheep. So lead and deliver us today. Me, lead and deliver me today, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.